welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. I want to talk to you today a little bit about writing. I know that many of you listen to my podcast because I'm a writer. You like to write. You dream of being a writer. Maybe you already are a writer. And uh, from time to time, I want to talk about writing, the processes of writing, uh, my understanding of writing. Certainly don't assume that I'm in any way an expert. I'm not sure there is such a thing as an expert on writing. Uh, But I think I can at least help some of you by giving my perspective. And I'm delighted to help nurture a a tribe of aspiring or or ongoing writers. And so today I want to share with you about eight uh, truths or principles uh, that I think will help, especially those of you who are sort of getting started or, or perhaps are in the dream state, or, or maybe you're, you know, you've done some writing and you're wondering about your writing life. I think these things might help you just a little bit. And here's my first one. Uh, I, I am very strongly of the opinion that people ought not aspire to be writers, but that they ought to aspire to be captured by an idea or a value or a vision or a cause or even a person and write that which they have been captured by. That's kind of a complicated sentence, isn't it? I, I believe that someone who wants to be a writer just for the sake of being a writer is, is often missing the point. And often they end up engaging in a certain amount of pretension. Uh, we all can think of sort of the television or movie image of the person who's an artiste and they wear a beret and they wear a scarf, you know, and they talk in affected ways. And of course, the movies and television sitcoms pick on these people when in fact they have no artistic ability at, at all. Um, that's, that's my mental image of what it means for someone to aspire to be a writer just for the sake of being a writer, rather than having something meaningful they want to write about. And so I often tell people when they say I want to be a writer, I don't, I don't rebuke them. I'm not harsh. I'm not trying to rebuke you now with this thought. I simply want you to ponder the idea that great writing comes from caring about great things. Great writing comes from caring about great things. You care about beauty or art or you care about a period in history or you, you care about a cause or, 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 you, or you are opposed to something from slavery to capitalism to Marxism to oppression of women, you know, whatever it is. You care about something great. And I think that's the spirit, that's the emotion and the attitude that informs great writing. So I, I urge you not to think so much in terms of I just want to be a writer, but think in terms of I want to express blank. I want to express X. What is the great thing that you want to carry through words into the world? The the second thing is that we're often told that if we're going to be great writers, if we're going to write, we need to read. And there's no question that that's true. You you have to read to be a writer. But I I think one one of the reasons that this is true is often not expressed to people. And that is that in order to be a great writer, you have to develop the voice. Now, what do I mean by the voice? Um, I'm convinced that through a number of our lifetime experiences, from the time our parents first read to us, uh, to when we start reading for ourselves, to perhaps narrations that we hear on television or in books or, you know, audio books or whatever, um, all the way until we get mature enough to kind of have our own voice in our head, that we are developing a voice in our minds. 
And when we read, and more importantly, when we write, we are writing according to the dictates of that voice. Now, now don't take what I'm saying to an extreme. I'm not talking about any kind of possession. I'm not talking about any kind of spirit. I'm talking about some voice that's in our head that is the product of the voices we've been drawn to throughout our lives. Let me tell you how Eudora Welty expresses this in her book, One Writer's Beginnings. Eudora Welty, one of the great Southern writers. She says, Ever since I was first read to, then started reading to myself, there has never been a line read that I didn't hear. As my eyes followed the sentence, a voice was saying it silently to me. It isn't my mother's voice or the voice of any person I can identify, certainly not my own. It is human, but inward, and it is inwardly that I listen to it. It is to me the voice of the story or the poem itself, the cadence, whatever it is that asks you to believe, the feeling that resides in the printed word, reaches me through the reader voice. I have supposed, but never found out, that this is the case with all readers, to read as listeners, and with all writers, to write as listeners. It may be part of the desire to write. The sound of what falls on the page begins the process of testing it for truth, for me. Whether I am right to trust so far, I don't know. By now, I don't know whether I could do either one, reading or writing, without the other. And then she goes on to talk more about the voice. I'm 100% convinced that when we write, we are essentially writing the sound of that voice in our heads. And how we read and how we think and how we hear, as, as Eudora Welty says, is very much uh, determinant of how we will write, what we will write, and whether we'll be any good as a writer. So yes, there's a voice in my head. Research for me is a matter of mastering the facts so that I give the voice in my head uh, enough information to start forming sentences that are powerful and moving and meaningful. And I think that that's very much about reading. Number three in my little informal list is about words. I don't know any writer who doesn't love words. And I urge you to expose yourself to as wide a variety of words as possible. Now, by words, I don't necessarily mean just a vocabulary list. I mean words that are inscribed. If you go to D.C., go to Washington, D.C., read the great inscriptions, read poems, read great speeches, read you know whatever it is that you like to read, nonfiction, fiction, what have you, but expose yourself to moving words. Even if what you're going to write are engineering manuals, it will not hurt you at all to be exposed to these greater thoughts, these greater speeches, read books of quotes, for example, and words will begin to form themselves in your head and cadences and, and you know keep a journal of anything that moves you. I have a whole journal filled with quotes, words, even sometimes just two-word combinations that move me, okay? Now, I just mentioned, and this is number four, uh, the idea of a journal. And many people think that you cannot be a writer unless you keep a journal. I do keep a journal, um, but I do not really write a journal. How's that for confusing? My journal is everything from mustard stains of that from that bratwurst that I had in Germany um, to the label from a candle that I liked the smell of that still had sticky on it so I could stick it on the page, uh, to a couple of fortune cookie, uh, messages, you know, uh, fortunes that I, that I taped into the, onto the page. And then there are quotes that I pulled out of flight magazines, quotes that I pulled out of books, thoughts, lists of words, you know, just in other words, I don't keep a journal where I sit down every night and write dear diary. 
And I think people need to be freed from that obligation. Some folks are going to be great writers and never keep a journal. I do not keep any kind of write my thoughts every day. And quite frankly, I find it tedious and somewhat time-wasting. Um, and I find it personally boring because I nobody bores me like I do. And so do it if you want to do it. Don't feel obligated to do it is all that I'm saying. But definitely do keep some kind of a book where you write down great words, great thoughts, um, even even ideas. Um, Hawthorne, for example, kept a journal where all he did was keep uh, ideas for future books. You know, I remember reading that once, and I remember that one of his ideas was that everybody who had ever died in a certain lake came to life all of a sudden. I thought that was an intriguing idea. Number five is this. You've got to have some systems in your life for sharpening your grammatical uh, abilities and your technical abilities. Um, I listen to a podcast called Grammar Girl. I know it's odd title, but but there's a podcast called Grammar Girl. She's very good in talking about technical, grammatical, you know, do you use which or that? Do you use, you know, in other words, all those things that we stumble over. You need, if you're going to write, just go ahead and get regular about reading those kinds of books. Everybody should read um, uh, the great book. I think I've got the title, Eat Shoots and Leaves. I don't remember the author's name. A great book on grammar and the fun of it and and uh, being a stickler, as the author calls it, very, very important. So subscribe to some podcasts, maybe go to a conference or a class or two, read some books. You'll never stop sharpening uh, those skills. I've written 15 books, been writing for 20 years. I still am working hard to try to master some of the basics of grammar. Uh, my sixth principle, and I'll, I'll speed up here a little bit, is uh, mentors. All of us have need to have mentors in our lives. And by that, I do not mean people. You know, when we think of mentoring, we think of, you know, a disciple and a disciple are sitting in a toga under a tree thinking great thoughts. Uh, in our generation, you can have mentors who don't even know who you are. In fact, one of my great mentors is David McCullough, the famous historian. Uh, we've never even met. In fact, I've never even been in a room with him, I don't think. Um, but I have watched every YouTube clip I can find. I have read everything he's written. I have read articles that he's written. I have paid attention to his narrative style and everything from Seabiscuit to uh, American Experience. I have worked hard to draw everything from this man I possibly can. If I hear that he's spoken somewhere, I get the transcript. I get the tape. I recommend that you find mentors. And that means that you pursue everything you can from that person and you drain it out of them, so to speak, and may, may you have a, a live experience with them. But even if you don't, you can learn from the Pat Conroys or, or the David McCulloughs or the Charles Dickens of this world. Um, just, just amazing things. Uh, number, number seven is this. In our day, every writer should probably blog, should probably tweet, should begin to build a platform of people who are paying attention to their words. You can start a website for almost nothing. You can have a Facebook page that develops a large group of friends and, and, uh, and links to your writings. Uh, you need to start building a platform. That's what publishers are looking for. So if you're a serious writer, um, write things and then get them online so that you start to build an audience, so to speak. And finally is this, get published. Now, some of you are going to laugh and say, I've been trying to do that for years. I mean it sincerely. Get published. Get, get, write an article for a magazine. Write an article for your newspaper. Get published. A writer's life normally gathers momentum. They start, who knows, with a, 
with an art, little article in the church you know, bulletin. And then they write maybe an article for the local paper. And then maybe they write for a magazine, a regional magazine. And then, who knows, they get something published, you know, in the just the letters to the editor's section of a, ma- of a national magazine. And who knows, then it maybe leads to a, another article. And that's normally the way it works for almost every author I know is that they start writing wherever they can, get published, and one thing leads to another. Oh, you've written for, uh, you know, the, the, the Nashville paper? Well, maybe we'll consider you for an article in the New York Times or... Or, oh, you wrote that piece for, you know, Fisherman's Daily. Maybe we'll consider you uh, for a piece in Outside Magazine, which, of course, is a huge international magazine. So don't be arrogant. Don't wait for the big multi-million dollar book deal. If it comes at all, it will only come after you've written hundreds of other things at lower levels. Okay, there it is. My opening broadside of wisdom for all of you writers. This Stephen Mansfield podcast was brought to you by the Mansfield Group. Find us at mansfieldgroup.com.